Breitbart Show today on Breitbart News Daily. I want to give you two guests. The first, well, we'll explain in a second, but he's in Jerusalem. And then so we talked with him about the speech last night and Trump, or excuse me, uh, Biden, I wish Trump, uh, Biden's visit to Israel. And then we talked with John Nolte just about words and and should we be giving people in the media and our academia the benefit of the doubt? He surely says no. How do we engage in warfare in a situation like that? We talk all about that with John Nolte coming up in a minute. But first, here's Arya Lightstone. Aryeh Lightstone. He's the former senior advisor to the ambassador to Israel during the Trump presidency. He's the author of Let My People Know, the incredible story of Middle East peace and what lies ahead. So if, if, he, if, if uh, Aryeh was the senior advisor to the ambassador, he was, he was right there, one of the men behind the Abraham Accords. These were the agreements between Israel and, and different Muslim countries, Bahrain, Morocco, uh, Sudan, and UAE that occurred during the Trump presidency. And Aryeh is in Jerusalem. So if you hear sirens go off, uh, that's why. Because no one's talking about the fact that Israel's still under attack. And also that these people are are still held hostage. Which, by the way, the Washington Post now calls uh, detained. They say that that the Israelis are detained. Not held hostage anymore. Amazing. Arya, how are you, sir? Well, within context, it's great to speak with you because we need to share our story with the American people. But we have lost the narrative. We have 10 plus Americans that we still don't know where they are. And we're talking about putting restraints on Israel. We have we, we've lost our minds. Mm. That's amazing. Uh, let's. I want to talk about Biden's visit, of course, but let's start with the speech. Did you see it last night? Do the people of Israel care what Biden said last night? Well, the people of Israel are going to be pretty selective about what they hear and what they don't. What they saw was President Biden landing here in Israel during a war, and that was an enormously positive message. Now, what they've heard does not match what they saw. They heard the emphasis on giving $100 million to Gaza, which means giving $100 million to Hamas. What they heard was that Egypt, Jordan, and the PA canceled meetings with Biden. That's what they heard. And then they heard a speech about how Israel and Ukraine are similar in some way, shape, or form. And then they heard a lecture about how Israel should conduct war, but they did not hear a matching lecture to the Ukrainians. So what they saw was fantastic. What they heard, if they chose to listen, should be disturbing. Yeah, great point. How does this administration, this can't be true, how do they not know that $100 million to Gaza goes to Hamas? How can they not put that together? I think they have put it together, and I think this is the problem. When When they release money to Iran... They know that Iranian drones go to Russia, which fights against our money in Ukraine. They're very used to funding two sides of wars. How they do that is is mind-boggling because it's it's nonsensical. It's a waste of our money as Americans, but it jeopardizes 
our lives and the lives of our allies. So what gives? Why? Why? There's no way Donald Trump, your former boss, would have given a hundred. He not only did he not give a hundred million dollars to Gaza, he stopped. What was the um, uh, that uh, UN Palestinian refugee program? Yeah, UNRWA. UNRWA. Yeah. UNRWA. He stopped funding UNRWA. You're hundred percent correct about that. That was one of his first major stops. He stopped funding the Palestinian Authority until they, they, there's a law in the Palestinian Authority, and these are the moderate peacemakers, not Hamas, but the moderate peacemakers of the Palestinian Authority have a law on their books that they incentivize people to murder Jews. One of the people who got in the way, quote, of these murderous terrorists was a fellow named Taylor Force from Texas, a graduate of West Point. He was murdered in cold blood. The person who murdered him receives a stipend from the Palestinian Authority, and the only reason why that stipend is low because he only murdered one person. Had he murdered 10 people, your stipend goes up. Every one of the terrorists from Hamas who murdered, raped, pillaged, and kidnapped Jews and Americans and Brits in this last attack on October 7th will receive a stipend from the Palestinian Authority appreciating their valiant efforts. And we fund that. Trump cut that money off. The very first move that Biden had was, number one, is let's get back in the Iran deal. Let's turn on their oil spigots. And number two was let's give the Palestinians money. And you asked how? Here, here, I'll give you the symptom. I, I don't understand the disease. But the symptom within the U.S. foreign policy, other than President Trump, Republicans and Democrats up until President Trump, had a fetish for a two-state solution. I, it, it is, it is, it's, it's a religion. For people who in general don't believe in God, they do believe in a two-state solution. Why this becomes the crown and foreign policy goal of the United States of America is beyond my comprehension because it, it, it weakens our ally and it strengthens our enemies. Yes, we have to talk about that. One, one just to put a bow on that. Trump clearly knew the leverage power of money. Right, like, and I've always heard because I think a lot of people always question why we give money to countries that we don't like. And I've, the only argument I've ever yeah. heard is, well, it gives us leverage power. If we want them to stop doing yeah. certain things, we can cut off the money. So it's like, um, okay, like I don't love that, but I get yeah. But it doesn't work. Babylon B had a headline. Uh, it was it was uh, like historic like power play by Joe Biden that he will give a hundred million dollars to Hamas. In exchange for precisely zero terror, uh, zero hostages in return, like oh, what a what a four D chess yeah. move that is! Like what what kind of operating is that? And and that's I, I just put a bow on that. Like it, it makes no sense that we're just continuing to give our enemies money like right after, like right after their terrorist attack, we give we're giving them a hundred million dollars, and he makes that pitch from the White House about how we need to do that from the White House. Uh, yes. While we, while we have 30 dead Americans, let's ignore Israel for a moment. I'm sitting here in Israel. We can't ignore Israel, but let's ignore Israel for a moment. As the president of the United States of America, I have 30 murdered Americans and 10-plus American hostages. This is not a small issue. This is an enormous issue, and I'm funding the enemy. Can you imagine sending $100 million to ISIS? And we, we, we know the Babylon Bee was accurate because we know – that $100 million does not buy an American back because we know what Biden just paid the Iranians, yeah. $6 billion for five American hostages. $100 million isn't even a down payment. The weakness that we have is incredible. I'll, I'll share with you an apocryphal story. I wasn't in the room, so I can't tell you it truly happened. But it sounds like it probably would have happened with my former boss, President Trump. Uh, it, 
Jordan, the, the the king of Jordan, was giving him a hard time about something, whatever the issue was. And President Trump asked his advisors and says, can anybody tell me what the GDP of Jordan is? And and people didn't know off the top of their head what the GDP of Jordan is. And President Trump says, I will tell you exactly what it is. And people were somewhat surprised that President Trump would have at his fingertips what the GDP of Jordan is. He goes, whatever it is that I gave them this year is their GDP. And, and he just understood so intuitively what that meant, because he was correct. Jordan exists because the United States of America subsidizes Jordan. And for the Jordanians, the Egyptians, and the Palestinian Authority to refuse a meeting with the president of the United States of America, uh, that weakens us so incredibly on the international stage. Okay, I just want to drive home this uh, this, this uh, made-up hypothetical story that the message – what message would that would that have sent to the and that was in front of the leaders of Jordan? You know, it was, it was internally uh, with with the group, but it showed his team how he wanted his team to work with Jordan. Jordan could yes. tell you, no, that's no problem. So tell them, so find another sponsor. You are here. We 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 invest in you for times like this. I don't need you to be friends with me when times are easy. I need you to be friends with me when times are tough. And that's why I stand by you. And, and we should stand by Jordan. We want Jordan to succeed. But we need to demand of our friends to step up when we need something. We want to prevent this war from, from turning from one front to possibly four fronts. We need to demand of our allies to do their job. And they have not done their job because we don't have we, – we either don't have leverage or we do not use our leverage. Yes, yes. Okay, this is very important. All right, by the way, uh, I want to get back to two-state solution in a minute. Let's table that. We're talking to Aryeh Lightstone, former senior advisor to the ambassador of Israel during the Trump presidency. He has a book called Let My People Know. All right, we got to talk about power and strength. I want to get your insight on this. Um, so we've all heard peace through strength. That's like we all, I think we all agree with that. I don't think we're... I think most people would say we're not very, America is not very strong right now. We haven't really shown our strength. So what we were just referring to there. Um, I think we have this, this new American mentality of, of being strong or, or even talking strong is mean. So you shouldn't do like the big stick thing, like no good. Like you don't want to carry a big stick you don't, and you don't want to, you don't want to, you just want, you don't want to like, we're too, we're too strong and we're mean. So how yeah. is that perceived by Middle Eastern cultures? I think we also think that we're dealing with other Western people with a Western mindset, uh, and, and we're not necessarily. There's different cultures and different worldviews. So what do we need to know about the, the Middle Eastern? And that's just a broad term, so feel free to break it up in, in relevant ways. Um, but who are we dealing with is my question. Your, your second point is far more important than your first point. Uh, trying to... Western values into the Middle East is is has not worked and is not likely to work. And, and proof positive of that is everywhere in the Middle East other than Israel. Everywhere else in the Middle East other than Israel. Uh, I remember the Arab Spring uh, that uh, that Team uh, Obama rooted on so desperately. The result of quote democracy of the Arab Spring turned out to be Muslim Brotherhood. The 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 most extreme, Hamas is Muslim Brotherhood, Hezbollah is essentially Muslim Brotherhood, and the code word for all of those is Iran. And, and the answer there is, is they looked at us and they laughed. And I'll, I'll give you a, a, a good example of that. I was in Abu Dhabi not terribly long ago, and they said, do you have any idea how much, Abu Dhabi is the capital of the United Arab Emirates, I think one of the most forward-leaning 
and courageous leadership countries of the Muslim world today. Hmm. And they were the first country to join the Abraham Accords. They led the Abraham Accords. I've got nothing but appreciation for our friends in the, in the Emirate. Uh, but one of the, the uh, senior military folks over there uh, turned to me and he said, you have no idea how much we love America. America has all the values that we hold dear. America has all the ideals that we hold dear, but you guys have lost your way. And I said, what do you mean? He says, do you watch any of your Senate hearings where people can't identify what a woman is? Do you watch any of your Senate hearings where people can't explain the very fundamental issues that we have because they're concerned that words are violent? Because you've lost your way, and when you lose your way at home, you will not be respected abroad, and there will be a trickle down of that. And he was correct. You can look at our failure of our, of our um, retreat from Afghanistan, and the rest of the world looks at that in real time and sees that we are weak. They look at our inability to define what a woman is, and they see that we are weak. They look at the Black Lives Matter, not protests, but riots on our street, and they look at us that we are weak. These are all reasons why all of our allies around the world are questioning whether having an alliance with us has the same value that it had, and they're questioning whether that alliance will be relevant in a time of need. And, and, and it's just a different way of thinking and trying to I'll give you one more example of that. I'm sorry. When President Biden talks about aid to Gaza right now, I, I guarantee you that the people who have our Americans hostage are laughing at him. They don't respect weakness. They respect strength. What President Biden needs to say is we will find out who did this. We will identify it back to the very initial person who, whose ideation this is, and they should stop sleeping at night because we will not rest. To somebody who harms a head on the American ever, we will find them and we will take care of them. The same way we did that to bin Laden. It took us a while. I promise you, he did not have a restful sleep from the day of 9-11 until we finally took him out. The same thing needs to happen to these uh, uh, monsters. I just want to make sure. I want to I push back because I think you're right, but what you said is very, very important. So I just want to make sure before I, I roll with that. You're telling me the the wacky things that happen at home in America have an effect on on our foreign policy and how we're perceived around the world. They have a meaningful effect. They have a meaningful effect. They, they see Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar. We, we, we dismiss them as ridiculous and extremists, which they're ridiculous and they're extremists. The rest of the world looks at them and says, we've begun to infiltrate the government. We, we have our people on the inside. That's what they think. I, I don't think they're, they're, they're not sleeper cells. They're, they're, they're people who are wrongheaded and, and fundamentally incorrect and dangerous, but they're, they're not spies, yeah. right? But the rest of the world looks at them and says, we're beginning to convince America, and they see the riots in our street, and we're not strong in our own blocks. They look and say, well, every civilization rises, and every civilization falls, and America is going to fall. And one of the reasons that they look at this, just, just being extremely blunt, America is a democracy. Very few of any of these countries come from democracies. And they look and they see that democracies will last for a certain period of time. They look at their monarchies and they see forever. Mm. <laughs> right. Wow. That's a, even democracy itself is seen as a, a form of weakness from their perspective. Wow. That's interesting. Correct. That is, that is interesting. Um, how about this, this sentence? We're talking about R.E.A. Lightstone. The book is 
let my people know the incredible story of Middle East peace and what lies ahead. He was there during the Abraham Accords, uh, one of the men behind it. Um, I keep hearing this, and and I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. And, and Biden said it last night: Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. So I hear that, and I think, well, how do you know? And and then there's there's a bigger question of, at what point? Are a people held responsible for the government they have? And I don't, I don't know what that standard is. Like, like, do we hold the people of North Korea accountable for their government? Do we hold the people of UAE, Saudi Arabia, right? Like, uh, like, should we? Do we hold us? Like, does, does the government we have represent us? Or no, no, this that that yeah, the the the, the, the DC is not the the American people. It's like, well, I don't know, like. They are, I think, like, like what, what? There has to be a point where a government does represent the people. So I don't know what that big picture line is, but we can even just narrow it down to Hamas. Does Hamas represent the Palestinian people? Right. So let's zoom out for one moment, just to focus on domestic versus international. What you're looking at is the injection of the concept of equity into our foreign policy. Right, the concept of equity, which is, no, of course you can't hold the people of Gaza responsible for Hamas, even though they voted them in in their only election. Because you can't hold anybody responsible for anything because uh, nobody's ever responsible. Uh, the only it. thing that we need is to have equitable, equitable outcomes. That's the only thing we want, and that is the foreign policy of what is happening over here. The truth is, can we hold all people responsible? The answer is we cannot. But there's a simple solution here if we wanted to flex our muscles, and the solution is as follows. The entire Arab world cares deeply about the Palestinians, which I call BS on, because it's just not true. How do I know it's not true? Because there were riots outside of American embassies when the fake report came out that an Israeli plane bombed a hospital. Now, when later on it turned out that it was an Islamic Jihad rocket that hit a parking lot of a hospital, nobody was inflamed, and nobody protested against Iranian embassies across the Middle East, because mm. the real answer is nobody gives a damn about Palestinians. But they use it as, as an excuse to attack Israel and America. Why do they protest outside of American embassies? It wasn't an American plane. wasn't an American pilot. It wasn't an American missile. Because they view Israel and America as the same because we share Judeo-Christian values. And Judeo-Christian values are a challenge to radical Islam. Not to Islam, but to radical Islam. So now what's the solution? We call upon all of the Arabs in the neighborhood. And we say, if you truly care about the Palestinians, please open up the Egyptian border. There's an Egyptian border with Gaza. Everybody who does not want to fight on behalf of Hamas, please leave. We will take care of you. Should The Arab world should say that. The Saudis and the Emiratis and the Egyptians and, and everybody. We will take care of everybody who leaves. And Israel will have a ceasefire. Israel will not bomb a single person on the way out. And everybody who stays is a legitimate and fair military target. And let's have a war. In between the people who want to see Israel's destruction and the people who do not want to see Israel's destruction. And therefore, you can go ahead and identify that. But because there is no clarity in this world, nobody's going to push Egypt to open up. And nobody's going to say that the people of Gaza who do not want to fight should leave because there's something different about Palestinians than everybody else in this world. The hypocrisy is insane. Brilliant. I love this idea. You're so right. No such thing as... You can't, no one could be ever held responsible for anything. That's their progressive worldview. So why would we? Of course not. 
why would we think the Palestinians should be responsible for the terrorist group uh, that, that, that they elected <laughs> in the most recent election? Uh, but it's all about equitable outcomes, and Tel Aviv is way nicer than Gaza City. So one, people, one, one are bad and the other need help. Oh, that's, that's so that's it. obscene, but that's so it. Okay, what, what do you make of uh, Kirby? who's the, the like Pentagon spokesperson, essentially, um, saying that the proper number of civilian casualties is zero. Because, by the way, that scenario you just lined out, and I'm so, I love talking to you because I love how you give the, here's what we should do, and no, no, no one does that. Um, even giving people the chance to leave is more generous than I think a nation needs to be, or at least a nation has ever been. Like for thousands of years, no one ever did that. Like you never, right? Uh, but okay, you do that. Great. What is this idea of zero civilian casualties and how does Israel take that? Yeah, so uh, Israel actually has a doctrine where they are willing to risk their own troops in order to protect Palestinians. Uh, if Israel wanted, I mean, we, we look at this last 15 years, what does Israel do? Israel built the most advanced missile defense system in the world called Iron Dome which means there have been about 8,000 rockets fired in the last 14 days Amazing. from Gaza at Israel. And you know what? That's not new. That's happened every six months for the last 14 years. And those missiles get shot out of the air. And Israel spent more money on figuring out how to defend its citizens. What would any other country in the world do if the neighboring country next to it, as a hobby, would lob missiles from civilian areas deliberately at civilian areas, a double war crime, hiding behind your own civilians and shooting deliberately at other civilians. I liken it to say they keep their rockets in kindergartens and they deliberately aim at Israeli kindergartens. These are the people that Israel is dealing with. So what does Israel do? Israel builds the, the, the state-of-the-art defense system in order to knock those rockets out of the air. What should Israel do? That, that gave a false sense of Jews are entitled to be shot at because they live in nice buildings in Tel Aviv, and Gaza lives in hell. Gaza lives in hell for lots of different reasons, but it's all Hamas's fault, not Israel's fault. And, and any other country in the world would demolish the threat next to it, demolish yes, citizens and everybody. Look what happened to America on 9-11, right? We were hit. We were punched in the face. We were kicked in the groin. We stood up and said we're America. We went to Afghanistan. We went to Iraq. And let Kirby tell me how many civilian casualties there were in Afghanistan and Iraq. Let him tell me. And then those were countries eight and 10,000 miles away from Israel. I drive to the border every night to bring dinner to the soldiers there. It's an hour and 15 minutes from my house. Such a good point. If, if Mexico, as, you, as a hobby, launched missiles that rockets at us, the, the, the idea that we would just take a defensive posture for the rest of our existence uh, I don't think would fly with the American people yet. That's what we expect out of Israel. Wow, that's wild. Are there any there, there similarities? Wouldn't Mex- there wouldn't be a Mexico. No, no. Are there any similarities, as the, the president made last night, are there any similarities from your perspective between our, our, our necessary support uh, of Israel and Ukraine? Uh, look, I, I think you can make the argument that there is a, a uh, trinity of evil in the world today, which is Russia, China, and Iran. And any amount that you can hurt Russia, China, and Iran plays out to America's benefit. But I think the the linkage of Israel and Ukraine is a poor one. I think had President Biden gotten up and said, look, I'm going to give this money to Israel, 
I'm going to give this money to Taiwan. There are more linkages in between Israel and Taiwan than there are in between Israel and Ukraine. Mm. I'm going to give this money to Taiwan. I'm going to give this money to the southern border. It's actually even a better linkage. There's far more connectivity in between Israel and our southern border than there is in between Israel and Taiwan or Israel and Ukraine. And linking the two of them together seems like a cynical way to try to promote something that the president knows that he has not gotten um, the American people behind in a sufficient enough way. The Ukrainian war has gone on for close to 20 months. The president owes it to the American people to make a case why this is in America's interest. You can make that case. I think you can actually make a good case about that. But do not make the same case that you're making for Israel. It's it's insane. The only thing the president should have gotten up and said is we will support Israel because Israel has never asked for a single troop. It's just asking for rearming. And we made this mess because we armed uh, Iran with billions, tens of hundreds of billions of dollars that we now see aimed at our ally. Uh, And and the only other thing that President Biden should have added is, uh, Iran, you're on notice. Uh, open up another front and there will be no Iran. Yes, and there's no talk, of course, about turning off that spigot. In fact, as we said, just the opposite, 100 million nah, more. of course not. 100 million more. Right. Okay, um, Arye, I, I, I could talk forever and you're a busy man. I'll let you go. And we could talk another day, I hope, about a lot of stuff, including the two-state solution fetish you mentioned earlier. I want everyone to know the background and history of that. Um, final thought, Any anything else the American people need to know from you sitting in Jerusalem right now? And what's coming next? Yeah, so, so two, th- two, two things that you need to know. I wish I could predict what's next. Uh, please, please pray for myself and my family and the people of Israel. Uh, we're here in, in a time where there, we're, we're lacking leadership on the world stage. This, this, is, this is crazy. Uh, but you, your listeners and the American people need to know two things very clearly. Number one is you're going to hear reports out of Gaza that the Gaza Health Ministry yep. reports something, and people are going to quote that as though they are like the, the FDA uh, which I don't have that much faith in either, but like the FDA or 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 or, or right, a, like yeah. a normal. When they say the Gaza Health Ministry, they mean the Hamas murdering terrorist report. So as much as we trust them to knock off babies' heads and to rape women, we should trust their assessment of what's actually happening. This is there is nothing in Gaza that is not run and controlled by Hamas. So they'll use fancy words to try to deceive us. We're Americans. Let's not be deceived. That's number one. Number two is. You will see in our city, there were 2,000 people in Dallas. You will see on our college campuses, there were 1,000 people on the Harvard campus who will stand up and chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now, that's a beautiful thing. It rhymes and it says freedom. Who doesn't want freedom? What that is code for is I want to destroy the 7 million Jews who live in Israel. They do not have a right to exist. That's what that means. And when they stand up and chant, that this is what they want. They are chanting for genocide. They are chanting for the murdering of Jews. They are chanting for the destruction of our ally Israel. And you and me as Americans can decide if these are our neighbors that we want. We can decide whether they will get away with it. We will decide what would we have done during Nazi Germany if people stood up on the sidelines and chanted in favor of the gas chambers. That is what these people are doing. We should call them out. We should identify them and do everything within our legal means to make sure that they are an isolated minority and not as the rest of the world looks at them and says, aha, they're beginning to effectuate culture change in America. Look what they've done in Europe. Let's not that ha- let that happen to America. Amen. Uh, but, but the president last night talked about Islamophobia. Would you have put that in the speech? 
No, it's insane. We should we, we should not have phobia of people who chant from the river to the sea, let Palestine be free. We, we should not have phobia. We should absolutely stand against people like that. There are plenty of wonderful uh, Muslims who do not stand and chant for that. But the, they, the, the, the President Trump's most brilliant foreign policy decision is the least reported on. His very first trip was to Saudi Arabia. He went to Saudi Arabia. He met with the head of all the Arab and Muslim states and said, radical Islam is your problem. When you don't address it, it becomes my problem. I will address it if you do not. And what happened within months of that speech? No more ISIS. No more radical Islam. It didn't exist. It was minimized because it terrifies that the regular Muslim people don't want this. We have to enfranchise them to be able to be strong against this radicalism. Instead, we've done the exact opposite. We fund radicalism, and then we promote it by saying, I'm giving $100 million to Gaza, and don't be Islamophobic. Yeah, wow, amazing. Arye Lightstone. Uh, the book is Let My People Know, the incredible story of Middle East peace and what lies ahead. Arye, an honor. Thank you, sir. Stay safe. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Grateful. Uh, there was the man there. He was there. He was the, the uh, senior advisor to the U.S. ambassador to Israel during the Trump presidency. He was there during the Abraham Accords, front row seat to all of that. Pretty cool. daily i love talking to john nolte i love it i look forward to it all week um, i read his articles all week he's my favorite writer on breitbart.com and it's always a pleasure to talk to him uh, particularly in times like this john how are you sir i'm good thank you good morning good to talk to you uh i love this hospital story uh it is wonderfully revealing to anyone who still needs these truths to be revealed um, but you wrote in an article, evil, corrupt, wicked, dishonest. Many words accurately describe the corporate media. Two words no one can use are stupid or gullible. What do you mean? I think that there's a tendency to believe that when the media misreports something and the result is chaos, that it's some sort of a blunder that they uh, that they're just dumb or that they leaned into their biases and that's just not accurate i don't think that after all the lies that were told around the trayvon martin hoax and the michael brown hoax and the jesse uh uh or the uh, um uh, jesse smollett hoax um that that the idea that the media is gullible or leans into their biases and makes these horrendous mistakes that can either or have either exploded into incredible violence and chaos um, that, that we can that, that you have to be a fool to give them a benefit of the doubt. I don't like to call people fools, but you're an idiot if you think the media just go, oops, oops, we our biases got ahead of us. When you report something like Israel deliberately targeted a hospital which of course would be an, a, just a despicable act. In your, and you work for CNN or you work for the Washington Post or New York Times or AP or whatever, you know what's coming after you report that. You know exactly what's coming because you're, you're a smart person. You're a worldly person. And what's coming is, 
is uh, violence all around the world, which is what we saw in front of our embassies and elsewhere. And when you believe Hamas, a terrorist group that just butchered almost 1,500 innocent Israelis, raped them, shot the heads off of babies, and desecrated corpses on live stream, you are believing them as a political act. You are, you are making a political act by believing them because you don't believe them, but you want to create more war. You want to create more violence. You want to create more chaos. And that's what the media is doing. They did it with Freddie Gray in Baltimore. They did it with Michael Brown in Ferguson. They bring gasoline in to an already incendiary situation, and they just wait for every opportunity to make it worse. Why? Can we go one step back further below that? Why is that the instinct? It's uh, it's it's not it's not an instinct as much as it's a political move. It's a political decision. It, it's they're not working. It's not reflex. It's oh, it's opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's okay. They they told us this. This is opportunity. Oh, uh, Mike. They're saying Michael Brown put his hands up and said, "Don't shoot." That's an opportunity, even though they know these are lies. And the opportunity is political. The left believes that through chaos, that through a a nightmare scenario, that they can seize power. Now, it's worked in all these Democrat-run cities. It worked for the Bolsheviks. It worked for the Nazis. And that's the mentality that we're dealing with, is that if you can create chaos, if you can create – they think it worked in 2020 to defeat Donald Trump, allegedly. So this is – this is all part of what's known as the Cloward Pivot strategy. Of course, the other benefit, it's a twofer, is the news. You know, oh, look at all, this, all these great pictures we can show people now. More ratings equals more money. Yeah, the twofer. We had a guy calling yesterday at the end of the show, John in Florida. And he offered a rebuke to many conservatives who have said, uh, socialism has failed everywhere it's been tried. And I've said that a million times. Socialism's been trailed or communism's been, it's, it's been tried and it's failed every time. And he says, no, 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 no. It's worked perfectly. It has led to chaos and collapse and the people in charge get all the power. That's the plan. Right. Does that, does that fit into what you were just saying? Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, it's, it's the whole idea is for a very few to seize power yep. and to organize the lives of everyone else. So whether it's Castro or Mao, or Hitler, or Stalin, or, or Lenin, that's the idea. The, the Hugo Chavez, the idea is to seed chaos and then get people uh, believing, oh, we're going to give power back to the people. We're going to give power to the little people. And who believes that? The little people believe that, but also the dumb elite. The dumb elite believe that because they think they're going to be in power. And then all of a sudden, it's just a little cabal, and they run everything, and it's just a power-hungry group of people. So in that respect, yes, it has always worked perfectly, and these these uh, uh, you know these rulers that they're in power forever. You know, Stalin died in power, Castro died in power, Mao died in power. It's a wonderful system if you want to uh, control everyone's lives through violence and pretend that you're doing good i mean hitler thought he was doing good stalin thought okay i'm gonna have to starve five million ukrainians 
But in the end, we'll have we'll have utopia. They all thought they were doing good, and they're just Bond villains. All the Bond villains, Bond villains always think they're doing good. It's the same outcome. Yeah, that's such the paradigm shift we need to know what we're we're up against. So this term, I want to run it by you because I want to do some research on it this weekend to get a good good proper definition of this. But uh, I'm just going to throw it at you with no warning whatsoever, which I like to do. Um, moral clarity. So it's a ter- term we've heard a lot the last few days because a lot of the billionaires who decided to stop giving money to Harvard, like where you been, guys? But their critique against the presidents are you're lacking moral clarity by not speaking out against Hamas, uh, by not taking a stand against the pro-Hamas rallies that are taking place on your campuses, and right, all that, right? You're lacking moral clarity, moral clarity. Uh, I saw a lot of it. We've seen a lot of it from Joe Biden these last couple of days. Saw it last night in his speech. Uh, talking about how he's so distraught at the Palestinians who were killed by that blast at the hospital. He did throw in there, which didn't come from the Israelis, but he didn't say who it did come from. And then he went on this whole thing about Islamophobia. It's like, okay, (laughs) right. But what about Joe? Like, I I don't see like the football team from Harvard uh, saying like, get the towel heads off campus. But I do see a lot of Palestinian flags. Maybe the football team was there, uh, and I just couldn't see it through the Palestinian flags. But I see a lot of Palestinian flags. I didn't even know, like, where to even get a Palestinian flag. I didn't know so many people in my country had Palestinian flags. So there's a, a lack of moral clarity. What is moral clarity, and why are we uh, thirsting for it so so badly? Well, the situation in Israel, the moral clarity is very is very simple. The, the Gazans voted to put Hamas in office at an overwhelming, very alarming rate. They voted to make terrorists the leaders of their country. And then the leaders of their country launched a terror war two weeks ago against, against Israel and basically recreated the Holocaust. I mean, the the images were right out of the Holocaust. The moral clarity is very simple. You do to Gaza what the Allies did to Berlin in World War II, and that is that you bomb the living hell out of it until the political leadership surrenders unconditionally. But you don't leave any remnant of that there. So if they don't surrender unconditionally, you continue to bomb because you have to exterminate that ideology. You have to exterminate those ideas. And then after, if they do surrender unconditionally, you do the equivalent of denazification, which is what happened in Europe. You denazify the Palestinians. You denazify that area. You occupy it and you denazify it. That's a very clear moral idea because what happened can never happen again and the only way to ensure it never happens again is to exterminate the idea is to exterminate the the is to make it such a terrible move on the part of the bad guys that they never even consider doing it again i mean we dropped two nuclear bombs on japan and look at japan today it is one of the most progressive uh friendly uh, uh, prosperous countries in the world. So it is possible to 
to change that ideology. The other thing is this, is that we've already tried to fight, quote unquote, moral wars. We tried it in Afghanistan. We tried it in Iraq. And the result were 20 year wars, both of which we lost. And my guess, and I think this is a very fair uh, guess, is that more people died because we fought a moral war over 20 years instead of just getting it done. Because civilians, how many civilians died? How many Americans had to die? Because we screwed around instead of just got the job done. So moral clarity is saying this needs to be exterminated as quickly as possible. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about an idea. The dummies are the people who who are who want to leave that there, who are saying, well, you know, we need to be careful about this and we need to, you know, we need to help these people and let's send 100 million dollars to Gaza. What do you why would we send 100 million dollars to Gaza, which is what Joe Biden wants to do? All that's going to do is continue the ideology and in 10 years, 15 years, maybe five years, there's going to be another attack on Israeli civilians because you didn't exterminate the ideology. So you keep talking about exterminating ideology. To do that, though, you'd have to kill people. And that's mean. John. You have that don't surrender, that don't surrender. You give everyone a chance to surrender and you denazify the, the, uh, the people over there. Everyone gets a chance to surrender unconditionally. If you don't unconditionally surrender, you started this war, so we're going to finish the war. That's moral clarity. They started the war, and, and, and over there they voted for the people that started this war. I mean, the, the Germans didn't even vote for Hitler. Hitler just took over. Some Germans did, but he never, he never won the popular vote, and we bombed the hell out of, out of, out of Berlin. Was there we any firebombed talk, Dresden. Was there any talk back then about and I mean this genuinely, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to make a point. I'm curious. Was there any talk of, oh, hold on, hold on. Not all Germans are Nazis. Or not all Japanese people support the emperor. Did we ever do that or no, you think? They're not like we see today. Certainly no one, you know, there wasn't this, no one came out uh, with German, with Nazi flags like you see with these Palestinian flags to 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 uh, fight for the german people and no one came out with the rising sun flag in america on college campuses on behalf of the on, the, on behalf of the japanese people no one like, did that did we have to set I up mean, humanitarian yeah. aid to the, <laughs> to the to the germans or anything yeah it's there was none of that because everybody understood at that point that that they started it and we had to finish it if we didn't finish it, it would just happen over and over and over again if you care about human life you don't want to leave in place an ideology that is capable of bombing Pearl Harbor or committing the Holocaust or doing what happened to Israel two weeks ago. You have to exterminate that ideology. And the only way you can exterminate it is through um, is through unconditional surrender. Um, and that's moral clarity. The the moral mess is, oh, well, don't you know, don't go too far. And then then the mess remains in the in the in the evil ideology remains and that's what biden wants and that's what the media want okay let me throw something your way and i was going to do it today but we had a lot going on uh so i'm going to do it on monday but i'll give you a little sneak peek here john you get the first stab at it so it's a story from story from uh six day war so it's 1967 and there are these two guys lou lenardi and yitzhak rabin and they were uh fighter pilots i'll give you the very short of the story they had an opportunity to 
seek revenge against this Arab tribe because this, this Arab tribe did a horrible thing. And Lou said, okay, Raven, we're going to burn the village to the ground right now. We're going to kill them all because of what they did. And Raven said, we're not going to do that. And he said, why not? He said, Lou, collective punishment is against the Geneva Convention. And Lou freaks out. He's like, to hell with that. What are you talking about? Look what they did to our men, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Rabin said, we are Jews. We cannot commit such acts. And the whole idea was, um, we, we are a country now to prove that we are better than what, than, than what created the Holocaust. We're different from these people. And Lou's like, what would Alexander have done? What would Caesar, Stalin, you kidding me? They wouldn't have shown this restraint. Anyway, the, the, the guy won, Rabin. He went on to become the prime minister of, of Israel. But Lou says right. every single day for the rest of his life, his greatest regret was that he did not burn that village to the ground. So, uh, John Nolte, which is the more, well, that's, it's a, it's actually, I don't even know what the question is. What's the more noble task or what's the proper task? I don't even know what the right question is, to be honest. Uh, so let me just say, what well, do you make of that? You, you have to, I don't know what the full context is. So is the village hiding all right, so I'll, I'll give you the, yeah, I'll give you the backstory. Yeah, the backstory. So a plane crashed. One of the Israeli planes crashed, and uh, they found the plane. The Israeli guys found the plane, and the Arabs there were like, "Oh, we did everything we could. We could. It burned, and then the dogs came and ate the people, and we couldn't do anything." And then the guy looked down, and the Arab leader was wearing the guy's watch. So hmm. they killed. At least Lou's initial impression was they they were the ones who actually burned and murdered and mutilated and stole. Uh, the the stuff from these guys that that's what fueled his anger. So the Arabs there were yeah, culpable. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would have burned the village in that situation because I, I don't know who did it. I don't know how many people are in there. I don't know how many people participated. Um, you know, if if there was a commando team hiding in the village, then it's a military target. If there were weapons hiding in the village, then it's a military target. But I don't know, you know, if you've got a village of 1,000 people and 20 of them participated or 100 of them participated, I'm not going to burn the village for that reason. No, I wouldn't do it. I appreciate your discretion there um, and, and showing distinction. But at what point, I've been asking this question to everyone, at what point does, are a people responsible for their leaders? Because Biden last night said Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. And I think, are you sure? How do you know? Yeah, do you know they don't. Lie. Yeah, it's, we know they do. We know they do. But you don't make war against civilians. You make war against military targets. Yeah, how do you know, though, especially so, when, the, when, they, when they embed themselves? What's the difference? How do you go door to door? If, if they embed themselves, you, 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 that you have a military target, and that's not on us. Mm. If Hamas embeds themselves in an elementary school, Hamas is turning the elementary school into and I'm just using the most extreme sure, sure. example I can. I mean, the thought of it is horrible, but if, then it is Hamas turning the elementary school into a military target. Mm. That's not on us. We have to make sure that they cannot make war again. That's the whole point of war. You want to make sure the other side cannot make war again. You can only do that by eliminating their war-making abilities and exterminating the ideology that makes war. You don't exterminate people. You exterminate the idea. You make the idea so horrible that they never consider doing it again. And the people that hold the idea 
they're the ones that make war, um, and they're the ones that you either denazify if or if they surrender unconditionally, or you have to kill because they're making war against you. They make themselves a military target. So it's not on us. If if, if, if whenever Hamas moves into a, a mosque or a hospital or whatever it is, they turn it into a military target. Yeah. That's that's not. There's nothing we can do about that. We have to make sure they can never make war again. What's your principle? We're talking with John Nolte, of course, senior writer at Breitbart.com. What's your principle for freedom of speech? If you were a college campus president, God forbid, uh, and these uh, pro-Palestine freedom martyr fighters, whatever, were, were demonstrating in support of the martyrs, what does President John Nolte of that university do? Well, it depends. If you know, if you come out uh, within hours of what happened two weeks ago, when Hamas live streamed all of that, all of the horrors that they committed were just unspeakable. And you come out in support of that. You're supporting violence, and freedom of speech does not protect supporting violence. And that I would have stamped out immediately, and I would have stamped that out there would have been expulsions because you cannot support terrorism. The idea of freedom of speech is that you get to have your say, but once you are condoning or encouraging uh, violence, that's, that's not freedom of speech. Um, you know, now the people are coming out and, and, you know, I don't, I don't really recognize the idea that Palestinians exist. I think the Palestinians are a completely made up race of people to use as a weapon against Israel but these people that come out in favor of the "quote unquote" Palestinians, um, you know, that's different. If they want to, they want to protest. That's that's fine. But once, but you know, once you you start encouraging violence or you start um, ripping down flyers, that's not freedom of speech. I would expel you immediately. Yeah, why don't these colleges expel people? <laughs> uh, it's just because the is it the customers why always America right? expel these people? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Is it is it as basic? This goes back to the very first thing we talked about. Is it as simple as uh, the customer's always right, and these are paying customers, and we have to kneel down to whatever they do, the kids, the students do, as opposed to the, uh, we're in charge, we the adults. No, it's 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 that the it's that the schools have been just like the media have been infested with yeah. these, these woke yeah. Nazis, and they they agree with these ideologies, and the dummies. Um, who give money to Harvard and these other schools, you know, like you mentioned earlier, they're just waking up to the fact these schools have become barbarous and they've become anti-Western. And of course, if you're going to be anti-Western, you're, 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 you're ideally going to be anti-Israel because Israel is the one bulwark of Westernism in the, in the, uh, in the Middle East. And the ideology is no different than the Nazis. I mean, the Nazis were socialists. They were national socialists. What's the first thing the Nazis want to do? They want to kill all the Jews. And that's all that's that's all that's happening here. And like I said, in the piece we were talking about earlier, the piece I wrote yesterday, you know, when I was growing up, we couldn't imagine how the Holocaust happened. How in the world could the Holocaust happen? You know, flash forward 30 years. I think now we know. Oh, yeah. yeah, we talked about uh, last hour. We talked about the New York Times um, from 1939 to 1945. They wrote 1187. I think it was stories about the Jews. Not uh, six of them made the front page, and none of them were the top story in, in the story in the news. And there was a poll in 1943, one year before the war was over. Only 73 percent of people knew that the Germans had people in concentration camps. I think that's a pretty low number, having been fighting a world war for three years. You would think it'd be more than that, wouldn't know. 
But of those people who even knew, uh, less than half, or, or sorry, more than half thought it was less than 100,000 people were in concentration camps. And the number was 11 million. So they were way off, <laughs> way, 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 way off about what was going on over there. And part of that was because, part of that ignorance was because of New York Times, which is openly anti-Semitic. Um, but other newspapers following the lead, leading people to ignorance, which is where we are right now uh, as well. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple how the Holocaust could happen. It's pretty simple how we could let it go. And the fact that we, that everyone just let Jesse Jackson in 1987 chant, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go. And all these universities got rid of the Western Civ department and the whole, uh, that whole, not just department, all the classes, everything. And we're just like, and then we didn't think that these things would happen 40 years later. It's like, well, like, what do you mean? Like, of course. And then evil will triumph and here we are. Very obvious. Um, John, any last point on that before I pivot to another topic? No, no. And that's, I think that that's a good point to end it on. Perfect. Um, I want to ask you one Hollywood thing. Uh, and this, I think, uh, surely this has to be the first time that on this show I've ever mentioned Taylor Swift. But you wrote an interesting piece about Taylor Swift and her movie, which I'm sure you were first in line with wearing your eras. Which era did you dress as when you went? <laughs> I think it was the Al Bundy era. <laughs> All the other gals in line are like, who are you? What are you doing here, creeper? Uh, what, 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 what do we make of the fact that that made a lot of money? Her taking, literally, I think it was just her concert in a movie theater. Yeah, it was it was a brilliant, brilliant move. Um, imagine if Bruce Springsteen had done that during the Born in the USA tour. But she, it was a brilliant move to film it, um, to make a movie of it. Or they probably spent four or five million dollars on it, maybe ten million. I mean, I, I'm sure it didn't cost much at all to produce in the scheme, you know, within the context of what movies cost. And she's, you know, she's this big phenomenon right now in the pop world. And then the smartest thing that they did is they went around a distributor. They didn't ask a studio to distribute it, which is normally what people do. They do it because studios know how to distribute movies and they do it for the prestige. You know, it's if, if a Sony or a, um, you know, or a Warner Brothers says they want to distribute your movie, that's a big prestige stamp on your on your film. But they went directly to the theaters. They went directly to AMC and Regal and all these big movie theaters. And they said, you want our movie? And they froze Hollywood out entirely wow. and they broke box office records and the point of my piece was to point out that the other people I think are going to think about doing this. Why pay a just why pay a studio a twenty percent, you know, thirty percent distribution fee if I already have a hot property and I can just go to Regal or AMC and they'll distribute it for me. Now independent producers do that now, but it's only after a studio turns them down. So they'll go from city to city and say, Can you would you would you play my movie? It's called four walling. Um, and the beauty of it is that you get all the money. You know, the, the, the theater takes half and you get the rest instead of the theater taking half and Warner Brothers taking 30% and you getting the rest. So it's a lot more money that way. So I think you're going to have people who have a hot property and know they do. Beyonce's already going to do it with her concert film going around Hollywood. And I, I think this worries Hollywood a lot. Yeah. I th was it, was Louis C.K., I don't know if he was the first, but maybe the most prominent. Did he do that? I think he did that years ago where he's just like, I think it was a dollar even. I think you go to his website and you pay a dollar and you got his stand-up. Uh, or you can get his pay yeah, as much he as you would, want. He was distributed on his, yeah, he was distributed on his, uh, on his website. And a lot of people have done that. But this is the first time someone has gone, to, um, theater. gone into theaters at this level and said, no, I don't, I don't need Hollywood. We don't, we don't need you. We, we know what we got here. 
Um, we're not going to pay you guys to, you know, just to, just to put your name on our film. I have such a, a, yeah, that's big. I have such a torn, uh, situation here with Hollywood. Like I'm, I'm celebrating their demise, but, um, that's not, it's not, I'd rather them be what they were, right. Than not exist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like falling out of love with your wife. You wish she was what she was, but she's not. So it's time to move on. Um, and, the good thing about Hollywood is that what the, what Hollywood was is still there. It's, it's still there in, on Blu-ray and on Turner Classic Movies. Mm. So you could go visit the Hollywood you love, but, I mean, you have to give up on the Hollywood that is because it's awful. Yeah, well said. John Nolte, Breitbart.com. John, have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. You too. Thank you. Take care. Just keep it up. Uh, John Nolte, my favorite writer at Breitbart. American made I got American parts I got American Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. There's so much we didn't get to this week that we kept pushing off, pushing off, pushing off, and now the, the week's over. Uh, so on Monday, I, I really, really want to and expect to do that story that I, I did the brief version of with John there a second ago about the plane crashing and should you attack the village or not attack the village. Uh, I want to give you that, that story and see what you think the moral, right, proper thing to do is. We'll do that on Monday's show. Have a wonderful weekend. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. I